welcome to the Feeling Better Podcast, the 10-4 program, a faith-based approach to overcome your compulsive gambling addiction. My name is Maria Simon. To everyone who thinks they're alone in this, I promise you're not. A big hug and kiss to my husband, who's such an incredible gift from God. His forgiveness and unconditional love humbles me. I truly am blessed to be your wife. A special thanks to Pastor Craig Rochelle from Life Church in Oklahoma. I've never met you or even attended your church in person, but my husband and I watch online every weekend. I hope you don't mind me referencing a few of your Sunday messages here. They quite literally saved me from destruction, financially, physically, mentally, and most of all, spiritually. God bless you and all you do. Caution. This podcast may contain triggers for some. I apologize in advance. I can't effectively share my story of devastation and redemption without both the highs and the lows. Better believe it, it'll be worth it in the end. Preface. Hey folks, thanks for joining me on the Feeling Better podcast. My name is Maria, and I'm both the host of this podcast and the author of the book by the same title. I began writing my thoughts down on January 12th, 2023, and finished the completed manuscript in mid-February. Four weeks to write, and another week or two to proof, edit, and format it all for publishing in paperback on Amazon. Pretty crazy, eh? That's how I know this was all inspired by God. The words just flowed with an intensity and clarity I never would have managed on my own. I felt an urgency to get this out there, and so I spent every spare moment of my time writing. I honestly didn't spend that much time editing, though. Most professional editors and agents will recommend authors revise, edit, and reread for many months over and over again, taking long breaks in between. Nope, forget that. Right now, there are people out there hurting from this gambling addiction, and I wanted to get this out there to help them as quickly as possible. If you decide to pick up a copy of the book after listening to this podcast, you'll probably find some spelling, grammar, or spacing mistakes because I didn't have a professional proofreader. As a recent gambling addict myself, I just don't have the money for that sort of thing. I did this 100% all on my own. Plus, I have an ancient MacBook Pro that has a wretched keyboard with keys that are loose or stuck, completely broken altogether. So please, be forgiving when it comes to errors if you happen to read the book version. You'll hear my story in the introduction, hard as it is for me to tell. As I battled my own gambling addiction, I spent quite a bit of time lurking on the Problem Gambling subreddit. There are about 21,000 active members of that group as of today, and the number continues to grow exponentially. When I first started lurking only a few months earlier, there were only about 15,000 people there. Now I can see the member number grows by about 40 to 50 per day. Since my time participating in that subreddit, I've read every story imaginable, from the middle-aged housewife like me, to the 18-year-old college student who just gambled away their student loan, to the six-figure exec who got fired because he racked up gambling debts on his company credit card. They all have two things in common with me. One, we're all compulsive gambling addicts, and two, We all want to put it behind us for good. While there are some members who post the number of successful bet-free days they've gotten under their belts, most are struggling with how to stop. Many are so desperate that they talk about taking their own lives. What other discussion group, social media platform, or online community has on average at least one person a day mentioning suicide or wanting to die? They're just not saying it in a casual, flippant sort of way. They legitimately can't find a way out, and they have nowhere to turn. Problem or disordered gambling has the highest rate of suicide amongst all the addictions out there. Statistics show that one in five compulsive gamblers attempt suicide, and that number could be as high as 40%, especially in veterans and young adults under 25. When I first started seeing those posts, I was startled and shocked by that, I think as time goes on, though, those of us who hang out on that forum with some regularity have become desensitized to it. I don't know how that's not concerning to others and why there isn't more of a push to help people with gambling addictions and go after the big casinos the same way that everyone rallied behind smokers and went after big tobacco companies. 
problem in compulsive gambling causes way more harm than cigarettes, at least in my world. I know because I had an addiction to both. I think I'd rather die an early death of lung cancer than go back through the pain of compulsive gambling addiction again. It was that bad. And just last week, I saw a new billboard up advertising one of the online casinos in my hometown. Folks, I live out in the country. It's not like there are a bazillion billboards everywhere. I truly worry about the new people who will face their own problem gambling addiction. It's just not right. I want others to be spared from that ordeal as much as possible. I don't have the time, space, or inclination to share what I've been through the last 50 years of my life so far, but let me tell you, it's a lot. Far more than the average person. My life's paths required an incredible amount of mental and spiritual strength. People have always told me that I was the strongest woman they knew, and I honestly believe that. But my gambling addiction was by far a thousand times worse than anything I've endured up until now. I crumbled like blue cheese under the weight of that addiction, and I'm done gambling for sure. That I'm confident of. I won't be gambling ever again. So that part I can say I've conquered. But... It's a very difficult thing to rid yourself of the shame and regret that lingers long after you're done with the casinos, not to mention the financial fallout. To this day, I kick myself for all the money I lost and for how far I set us back financially. It's not quite as scary when you're 25 and completely broke, but when you're almost 50, you've got zero retirement plan and no money or assets to speak of, it truly makes you rely on the Lord's daily bread. It's not going to be an easy climb out of debt, but I see now the purpose of this whole journey. That insight puts a smile on my face, and I feel true joy knowing that God chose me for this. I messed up, without a doubt. I did some awful things. I broke promises. I ruined trust. I wrecked our finances. I put more stress on my poor body than it ever deserved, and I mentally changed because of this experience. Yet, I know there was purpose for all of it and that I had to go through it for a reason. That reason, my friend, is you. I saw a headline just last week about how roughly 80% of gambling addicts never seek help or treatment, and so they remain trapped in the vicious cycle, chasing losses without being able to stop. Of that 80%, about three-quarters of them continue to relapse over and over. Unlike alcohol, drugs, or even pornography, there's a massive feeling of regret and shame that prevents even the most desperate from reaching out for help. It's deeply unnerving to recognize you have a severe problem and that on any given day, it could render you and your family destitute. As a result, the stigma remains strong. Unlike alcoholism or drug addiction, compulsive gamblers feel like there's no one to turn to. There are surprisingly few resources out there for gamblers, despite the growing numbers. So, that's why I'm here. You can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Audible, and YouTube, or any other podcast forum out there. On those platforms, I'm reading my book verbatim for those who can't afford the physical paperback or the Kindle version. Once I'm done narrating my book, though, I'll continue on the podcast with episodes discussing various topics of gambling addiction, with a particular focus on the spiritual battle, and or answer any questions I receive. I promise you the content here will help you. It's also going to be very, very different than any other addiction book out there. If you want to reach out to me, there's a contact form on my website, thefeelingbetter.com. I also have a resources page where I've listed all the resources, links, groups, podcasts, books, products, and suggested websites that I could find to help you on this journey. If nothing else, feel free to lean on me. We've got this. Introduction and my story. My name is Maria, and yes, I'm a compulsive gambling addict. I'm just so relieved that you found me because I want to help you overcome this very serious and devastating addiction. If you've become trapped in the destructive cycle of compulsive gambling, I'm here to tell you that there is hope and that you can break free of this. Both this podcast and my book not only tell the tale of my own gambling addiction story, but more importantly, they also outline a very in-depth, practical, and effective plan for quitting gambling for good. Now, for the disclaimer, this is a Christian faith-based podcast. If you're not a Christian or maybe don't even believe in God, that statement might make you want to click off. 
let me just say this. If you're here because you're struggling with a gambling addiction and you're feeling hopeless, lost, full of anxiety, fear, or despair, I ask that you at least just listen to this first episode. I mean, what do you have to lose? Literally nothing at this point, I'm willing to guess, right? This podcast is for anyone who's desperate to understand their addiction and to seek some kind of solution because nothing else has worked so far. My target audience and readers are those gambling addicts who have no hope, nowhere else to turn, no idea how to make things right again. They might feel desperate, empty, confused, fearful, and possibly even suicidal. It doesn't matter what religion you are or whether you believe in God. This is a book that's going to be very real, very raw, and address gambling addiction in an entirely different way than any other gambling addiction recovery program or support system out there. And honestly, this could easily apply to addictions of all kinds, not just compulsive gambling. There's a big reason why the 12-step program for addicts was founded on faith-based principles. That's because they work. Faith-based addiction therapies have a high success rate. I'm a Christian, and God put it on my heart to start up this podcast and help others overcome their gambling addiction as I continue on my own journey, and it's impossible for me to do that without framing this around my Christian faith. There are four main reasons for that. The first reason is that I'm very, very recent into my recovery journey. Honestly, that seems kind of weird to say. (laughs) I swear, never in a million years did I ever think I would say the word recovery with regard to me. But it's true. My last day gambling was January 10th, 2023. There are, of course, other gambling addiction books, podcasts, and YouTube channels out there. Believe me, I found them all. Most of them were really helpful. There truly is an incredible community out there talking about the topic of compulsive gambling and addiction, and I encourage you to seek those out and lean on those as well. I'll include a list of those on the resources page of my website, thefeelingmatter.com. What I wasn't able to find, however, was a book, podcast, or YouTube channel written or created by someone who's battling their addiction right now, in this moment. Almost all of them are five years gambling free or two years bet free or haven't gambled since 2014 or 2015 or whatever. While their shows and content were always really inspiring and helpful because they pertain to my specific problem, none of those podcast hosts are still going through the acute immediate pain of it. None of them are still deeply racked with the guilt and shame or in the process of filing for bankruptcy or struggling with how to sleep at night, or panicked at the thought they might slip up and fall back into it at any moment. They aren't still taking it day by day. Not to mention, a lot of them began their gambling habit in a physical casino. As more and more people discover online casinos, the need for gambling addiction resources continues to grow. When I was in my deepest, darkest place only a few months ago, I needed connection to someone, anyone, who was currently going through it. I couldn't go to a Gambler's Anonymous meeting because there weren't any in my area. The closest one was about 90 miles away. And I didn't want to join one of the virtual GA Zoom meetings because at the time, my husband hadn't known about my problem, and it would have been impossible to sit in on a Zoom call without him hearing or seeing what it was. Plus, I was on Zoom meetings all day long for work. We had them quite frequently at my company, and the last thing I wanted was to try to connect with people on a Zoom call in the evenings. All I wanted was to just pop in my earbuds and listen to somebody talk about what I was going through or quietly read a book in the cozy corner of my home in order to glean some kind of guidance or encouragement. That doesn't mean that Gamblers Anonymous meetings don't work. They definitely do. I've read countless posts on social media and listened to many podcast episodes of recovering addicts who found help, connection, and support through GA meetings. If you have one near you and you need that immediate personal connection, Please, I urge you to go. If I had one close by, I'd be there. Again, the big difference between me and other podcasters, authors, and YouTubers who talk about compulsive gambling is that I'm just coming off my addiction. I'm not like those people who are standing up on their victory hill, looking back at what they went through and talking to recovered gambling addicts from the other side of the battlefield. Believe me, I wish I was. Nope. I'm still very much deep in the trenches and trying to claw my way out, and I personally can't do that without God. I am a Christian, and for me, 
This means I need to lean on God and my faith to get me out of this. I couldn't find a single person, group, or resource in my area or easily available online that approached gambling addiction recovery as a spiritual battle. Reading or listening to advice about self-exclusion or online GA meetings or hearing other people's experiences wasn't going to cut it for me. I needed to dig deep into my soul and heal from the inside out and have a step-by-step plan of escape. God showed me how to do that, and now I'm going to show that to you. I wasn't always a Christian. I'll talk about this more later, but I was actually born and raised a Muslim. When I left home at 19, I became an atheist. I didn't believe there was a God at all, that religion was all made up by man just to rule people and keep them in line. But then in my mid-30s, I found Christ and became saved. That's what the evangelicals and Protestants call it, becoming saved. I hadn't fully realized until now what the true meaning of that word meant. I'll share more about my story in a bit, but for right now, I'll just say that the whole reason I'm starting up this podcast is because gambling addiction is awful. It sucks. It completely, royally sucks. It's so hard, and it truly hurt me in so many ways. I felt broken and lost and totally confused, and it was scary. And I'm not going to lie, it's still a little scary at times, but I have no doubt whatsoever that I'm going to get through it, and I want to help you get through it too. So I don't care what religion you are, if you're Muslim, Jewish, Buddhist, atheist, Wiccan, Christian, whatever, I don't care what race you are or how old you are or where you live or how much you've gambled or whether you fell into sports betting, poker, blackjack, slots. If you found yourself stuck with this knife in your back and you can't get it out by yourself, hang with me. We will do this together. The second reason this podcast and recovery plan is faith-based is because I know 1000% that this was an attack by Satan. There is no doubt in my mind, this was spiritual warfare. The devil is very real, and when he attacks, he attacks hard. His attacks are always with the intent to steal your joy, your self-confidence, your value, your security. And the greatest win for him is to steal your life. He absolutely wants to kill you. And if he can't kill you, then he'll kill your spirit. The weapon he uses most to accomplish that is lies. In scripture, Jesus said this about Satan. He was a murderer from the very beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. John eight forty four. Side note, Jesus said that in response to the Pharisees, who were a group of religious leaders that accused him of being possessed by Satan. If you want to read further in full context, I recommend downloading an app called the YouVersion Bible app. It's a free and easy to use app that you can download on your phone. And once you're in the app, click on the Bible icon at the bottom and then go to the upper left-hand corner. You can scroll through the Bible's table of contents and choose the one that simply says John, and then click on the button for chapter 8. The words that Jesus says are in red font. Anyway, Jesus said this clearly, that Satan is the father of lies. That means everything that comes from the devil is a lie. It's his native language, meaning he speaks in lies as easily as you and I speak words in English. Satan attacked me with lies from the very beginning, right up until the very end. At first, it started with, this feels good, doesn't it? You were distracted for a whole hour and didn't think about anything stressful or hurtful. It was fun, and you even won some money. I bet you could win even more. Think about all the things you could pay off. And then the lies ended with, you are disgusting. You're a loser. How could you gamble away all of your money? Now you're deep in debt. You're never going to get out of this. Your husband doesn't love you like he did before. God can barely stand you. You mess everything up and you'll never recover. But maybe, just maybe you could put this all behind you if you can just win enough to cover the past two credit cards and keep you from getting your wages garnished. That would be horrible if your co-workers found out what you did. See how he did that? Folks... I'm in a war against supernatural spiritual demons. I must have said it a hundred times to myself over the last six months. It was like there was this demon inside me, not just tempting me or enticing me or attacking me, 
But my gambling addiction felt like this thing inside me that took over my mind and did things that the old me never, ever would have done. It was like cancer that just kept spreading and turning my insides black. I can't fight this supernatural evil attack without supernatural powers that are on my side. I just can't do it. I'm not strong enough. You might be, and if that's the case, congratulations, my friend. I, however, cannot do it on my own. If I don't rely on my faith, I won't make it. And I promise you, I will make it. I've never wanted anything more in my entire life. I want to win this fight, and for me, that means I need Jesus to help me do that. In turn, I will help you do that, whether you decide to lean on God or not. I'm not here to convince you to be a Christian or try to convert you. This podcast is not about that. This is all focused on beating a gambling addiction, and that's it. I'm going to show you this addiction from an angle that you've never looked at before. Parts of my story and recovery plan will resonate with you, and I'm sure there will be parts that don't. That's okay. Take what you need from this podcast. What I can assure you is that the plan and steps I outline here really do work. I'm proof of that. So if you want to be free of your pain, your financial loss, your compulsion, and your self-loathing, please keep on listening. The third reason I've created this podcast and laid out my plan with a Christian foundation is this. Maybe on my own, I would have found the willpower to overcome this and stop gambling. A lot of people do it. I've listened to a lot of podcast episodes with interviews by people who've walked away and stayed away from gambling. There are dozens, if not hundreds of people who've posted on the Problem Gambling subreddit that did it. Of course, it can be done. But even if I managed to fix my own addiction and walk away from the compulsion and destruction, I would still be broken on the inside. I'd still be left with the shame, the guilt, the regret, the self-loathing, the occasional feeling that maybe, just maybe, my husband might be better off without me. At least then he could use my life insurance to pay off all the debts I racked up. Thankfully, I was never actually suicidal. Like a lot of other gambling addicts out there, I've had those thoughts, but I personally could never go through with it. Not only am I too chicken and don't like pain, but I could never do that to my husband. He would be gutted and completely lost without me. I couldn't put that kind of burden on him. He and God both kept giving me a reason to want to live and fight this. Sadly, though, a lot of people out there don't have a loving spouse or mate or even God. So for now, you've got me. Plus, taking my own life would have been taking the easy way out. I might have gotten sucker punched by this, but I'm getting back to my feet and I'm about to swing. Look out, Satan. In all reality, though, sucker punched isn't really the right term. It felt more like I was being waterboarded. I'm sure you know the feeling. You thought you had a grip on things and freed yourself from the bondage of online gambling, taking big gulps of clean, refreshing, casino-free air for a day or two. But then Satan would push your head under once again and you found yourself drowning and gasping for breath. At least that's how it was for me. But I'm a survivor, a fighter, and I'm competitive by nature. I think most of us gambling addicts are. The games might have beaten me, but I was not going to let the devil beat me. I wanted to rise up and fight back. I'm here to remind you that each of us has a warrior inside. God gave us the instinct and ability to survive despite the most difficult hardships. The fight-or-flight response is still ingrained in our biology, in our DNA. And even though we've become comfortable, lazy Americans who sit on our cushy sofas and sleep in our safe, warm beds, I'll say it again. I want to fight. And if you're here listening to this, then I believe you do too. I know there's at least a tiny spark of life left in you that wants to fight this with everything you've got. Maybe it's even a big flame or a roaring fire. We are going to do this. I've come to realize, though, that you have to learn more than just how to fight. There are many facets to victory. When soldiers win a battle or when warriors defeat their enemy— they don't ride off into the sunset, pumping their fists in the air, and then go live happily ever after. They have battle scars, PTSD, nightmares. They have to live with themselves and the things they've seen and done. 
they have to heal on the inside long after any outside injuries have healed. I might be able to stop gambling on my own without God. I might even be able to fix my finances without God. But can I fix my spirit, my mind, my soul without God? I honestly didn't believe I could. I know as I continue to go through the healing process, I can help you heal too. I can help you find your spark of life that urges you to keep fighting, to kick Satan tiny and to come out victorious and be able to sleep peacefully at night afterward. If you're not a Christian and it doesn't feel comfortable to you leaning on God, that's perfectly okay. You can lean on me. That's one of the reasons I'm doing this. I want to be the voice in the dark for you that I needed during my own lowest moments. Finally, the fourth reason I'm creating this as a spiritual faith-based recovery guide is because, come on, I cannot possibly be the only Christian out there battling this. On top of that, I'm a woman. I couldn't find a single podcast or channel or book for Christian gambling addicts. And while there are a couple of resources for women, we're definitely an underserved demographic in this arena. Again, I don't want this to exclude anyone at all. Regardless of who you are, where you live, or what you believe, I want to help get you through this. But I can't imagine I'm unique in the fact that I'm the only Christ believer battling a gambling addiction. I know there are other Christians out there who battle alcohol addictions, drug addictions, pornography addictions, shopping addictions, food addictions, social media addictions. So why would gambling be special and that it only applies to me? I also suspect there are a lot of Christian veterans and active duty members who are battling gambling addictions, and sometimes group therapy or GA meetings can be tough for them to attend. I wanted to be a resource to my Christian brothers and sisters who might need a non-judgmental support system and a friend to help walk them through this. Christians are human. We fall for temptation. We mess up. We make mistakes. Over the last six months, I did more lying, cheating, and stealing than I've ever done in my entire life. I lied to my husband and to God. I cheated myself out of financial security and completely wasted last summer and fall, my two favorite seasons. I stole from our future. I stole from credit card companies when I maxed my credit cards out, knowing I couldn't pay them. I stole from the bank when I went into overdraft and let our account stay in the negative until the next payday. Worst of all, I stole from God when I stopped tithing and wasted away the resources and blessings he provided me. But here's the part that I think most compulsive gamblers already know. It's almost never a situation where you have the aha light bulb moment and decide to quit gambling once and for all cold turkey. I mean, is it ever like that with any addiction? If it was, we wouldn't need so many therapists and recovery groups. Maybe that's how it is for a rare select few. But for most addicts, quitting for good is a process. It definitely was for me. A long, dark, grueling process that started when I broke down and confessed my addiction to my husband. It was by far one of the worst moments of my life. His initial reaction was so awful. I'll talk about that more specifically in another episode, but he was so angry and so confused. He was beyond mad. He turned red in the face, and when he came to realize how much I'd gambled and how precarious our situation was, he nearly punched a wall. He was devastated, and he yelled with such a ferocity I'd never seen before. It wrecked me that I caused him that much hurt emotion and that much confusion and pain. I swear I cried for about three hours straight from the sheer brokenness of it all. I never hated myself more than I did in that moment. But my husband loves me, a true, deep, unconditional love. And he's also a Christian, so he understands the true meaning of the word forgiveness. Love covers a multitude of sins, 1 Peter 4, 8. Just a few weeks ago, when I was agonizing over bills and began crying over the mess I made of our finances, he came over and gave me a big hug, saying, For richer or poorer, honey. Since that initial outburst and reaction, he's been amazing. We'll get into this more later, but I can't stress enough how important it is for you to know that you are not a failure. You fell into a trap, and now you're going to climb out of it. When you do, you'll be stronger, wiser, and more joyful than you ever thought you could be. This trap was a sneaky spiritual attack for your soul. Having that kind of perspective and understanding was my turning point. 
the catalyst that propelled me to look at all of this as a very true, very real, and very dangerous addiction, not just simply a compulsion. Since my last day of gambling, God illuminated me with the plan to help me finally put it behind me once and for all, and I'll be sharing all of that here in this podcast. I'm not saying I'm some divine prophet or anything, but those of you who know, know. You get a nudge from God, and then he just equips you the right way to fulfill your calling. It wasn't easy getting to this point. It was a lot of trial and error. There are tips and tricks I've learned to help distract me when I feel an overwhelming urge to gamble. Supplements that I took to help reduce the addictive tendencies. Steps to take to rebuild the financial mess that remained in the aftermath. And most important, I learned a spiritual understanding of what I'd faced, along with God's truth behind the devil's nasty lies. I'm going to give it all to you here. It didn't happen overnight for me, but it did happen. And it all came from God. And here I am now, absolutely convinced that the good Lord had me go through all of this so I can now help you go through all of this. I'm no counselor or psychiatrist, but I know what you're going through. Sometimes all we need is just knowing that there's someone else out there who understands our pain and our struggle firsthand, in real time, and has a step-by-step guide that works. If I can be there for even one single person, then going through this was worth it. I'm also no professional at writing a book or starting a podcast, so again, I apologize if my format or sound quality are not up to industry standards. I don't have an editing team or a network or anything other than what I've been able to figure out with Google and some YouTube videos. I don't have a fancy mic or even a studio. I'm literally speaking into my old iPhone 10 while I'm sitting in my pantry closet for some soundproofing. You'd be surprised at how well bags of flour, sugar, and potatoes can insulate sound. So let's get to my story. Who am I? How did I get here? What sparked my compulsive gambling addiction? Well, I'm a middle-aged gal in my late 40s. I'm a fairly typical Gen Xer. So if you're older than me or you're younger than me, don't let that wither your lettuce leaves. You'll be okay, I promise. I might make a pop culture reference or two that you don't understand, but again, this is not a demographic thing. Are you scared? Lost? Devastated? Hating yourself? Are you just unable to stop gambling despite your dozens of promises and commitments? Or did you recently manage to stop gambling and are you worried you might slip up and go back to it? If so, then you found the right podcast. I am happily married to a man I adore. We have no kids. I suppose being a mother just wasn't in the cards for me. No pun intended. But we do have cats. Our cats are definitely our children. We love them and we spoil them like our babies. We live out in the country, in farmland, on a little homestead in Michigan. I've got chickens in a garden, and I love to can up jellies and produce. And I also work full-time out of my home for a tech company, and I'm super comfortable with technology. So it's kind of a weird dichotomy here. Anyway, as I mentioned before, I was born and raised a Muslim with a pretty strict father. He used religion to keep me from having a normal childhood because I wasn't allowed to do anything. No sports, no dances, no sixth grade camp, no college even. And when I was 19, my parents arranged to have me marry some guy I'd never met before. He was a friend of the family who was twice my age and lived all the way on the opposite side of the country on the West Coast. It was a legit arranged marriage, like the old country Middle East used to do up until the 20th century. But I was too smart and too independent to agree to their ridiculous arrangement. I mean, it wasn't like we were deeply immersed in a Muslim community where all my friends were also accepting arranged marriages. We'd lived in a fairly vanilla middle-class suburb of Metro Detroit. And back in the 80s and 90s, Islam wasn't as common or understood as it is now. Back then, no one even knew what a Muslim was. So my parents gave me two choices, either acquiesce to their arranged marriage or leave. I didn't even hesitate. I packed up a trash bag of clothes and a milk crate of possessions, and I got my crappy 1988 Mercury Topaz that I paid $600 for, and I left. And from that point on, I worked two jobs and put myself through some community college classes and declared myself an atheist. I had no exposure to Christianity whatsoever. Growing up, we never celebrated Christmas or Easter, and I'd convinced myself that religion was man-made and completely useless and something that gullible and naive people believed in. But 15 years later, 
Once I worked my way up into a position within a software company, I found Christ. I had colleagues that were Christian who would often make references to faith or do Bible studies at lunchtime, and I'd begun dating a guy who was also a Christian. It was as if God had a plan for me to surround me with people who were Christians and put me precisely in the right place in life where I can learn about what faith in Jesus really meant. Fast forward to 2022. We have what I always considered a pretty contented life. We don't make a ton of money. We're about as middle class and average salary as you get. Our mortgage for this old farmhouse on acreage is very affordable. We love the outdoors and we spend our free time rustic camping, fishing, and hiking. My husband loves to hunt and I love to garden. Our marriage is one steeped in faith and mutual respect and all things considered, we lived a pretty quiet, humble life. My husband is very creative and right-brained and not all that great with numbers, so I'm the one who manages all of our finances and pays the bills. Up until midsummer, I would have described myself as a happy, drama-free, good Christian wife. I took care of our home, I did the grocery shopping, I managed our appointments and schedules, I made sure we always tithed a true 10% of our income to the church, and I often generously donated to food banks and local charities. We did have some credit card debt, but it was manageable. I had been paying it down for a while, and the plan was to have it all paid off in about 15 months. After that, we'd be debt-free other than our mortgage. Our cars were older and paid off. We had no other loans or debt to speak of. I prayed daily and went to church and listened to Christian music and podcasts and did Bible studies and worked at my job every day with diligence and discipline. I'm a classic introvert, so I didn't step out of my comfort zone to serve or get involved in charities, but I opened up my home to our friends and family with as much hospitality and graciousness as I could. To be honest, working full-time and maintaining my chickens, cats, and gardens while fitting in chores and housework on the weekends didn't really leave much time for anything else. But at the end of the day, I was your average 40-something country gal who worked hard and loved Jesus. I also have diagnosed ADHD as well as OCD tendencies. There's an understood connection between ADHD and gambling addictions, but I honestly think it's the OCD tendencies that has a bigger influence on my online gambling compulsion. I like patterns and repetition. I'm a perfectionist, not with all things, but only with some specific things. For example, I'm not a neat freak and I have no compulsion to keep our home super tidy and dust free, but our bookshelves are organized by genre and author and I will know immediately if you move one book out of place. My email inbox has about 10,000 unread emails and I don't have any of them labeled or categorized, but my computer files are meticulous and organized and backed up regularly. I have one of those brains where from early on I had OCD character traits that were clearly genetic and caused by some kind of weird misfiring or miswiring. For instance, I'm a nail biter. Not just bite my nails when I'm nervous or anxious kind of nail biter, but like I'm a female who's never been able to let my nails grow out, ever. They're bitten down to the quick and they've been that way since I was a toddler. I have pictures of me at two years old with my fingers in my mouth. My mother said I practically came out of the womb chewing on my nails. As a female, if I want nice nails, I have to glue on fake ones. And the very second they come off, I'm back to chewing them down. It's not a nervous habit, as some say. It's literally a genetic compulsion. I know this because I have relatives with the exact same issue who do the exact same thing. I've accepted this about myself. I can't change it any more than I can change my height, the sound of my voice, or the way I walk. I'm also a mild hoarder, building collections or accumulating things that are beyond ridiculous. Like, I have more garden seeds than I could ever plant in two lifetimes. I find pleasure in having so many different varieties. I like to take them out, categorize them, look at them, imagine myself growing all the different kinds of heirloom vegetables, no matter how obscure or inappropriate for my growing zone. Every now and then I'll pull them out, organize them in a different way, and then put them right back in storage again. I don't have a particularly large garden space, so each spring when I start my seedlings, I'll choose 10 or 15 to actually plant, despite the fact that there are hundreds in my seed collection. Weird, right? Last year, I finally began donating and gifting some of them away. If you want to explore that topic more, there's a gambling addiction podcast called Fold'em, 
where in episodes 31 and 32, they discuss the connection between adult ADHD and addictive behaviors, including gambling. The After Gambling podcast also discusses compulsive behavior in episode 17. The crazy thing is, under a doctor's supervision, I've taken Adderall for years to combat my ADHD. And never, not once, did I ever, ever take more than my prescribed dose. In my 20s, before I became a Christian, I went to clubs, drank, partied, smoked pot, just like most other 20-somethings in America. As I mentioned, I did have a smoking habit where I became addicted to nicotine, and I know I have a caffeine addiction because I haven't gone without my morning coffee in decades. Those are two biologically understood substances that cause a real physical dependence in me. Why I became addicted to smoking and coffee, but not alcohol or marijuana, is a mystery. But online gambling with slots? It was definitely a neurological thing with me. For some reason, the online slot games were something that just clicked in all the right mechanisms of my brain. It was like a complex key that unlocked some kind of sensory response in my mind that I didn't even know existed. All in all, I'd been living a very average, peaceful, Midwestern, middle American life. If you would have told me at any point along the way that I'd end up having a compulsive gambling addiction, I would have fallen over laughing. No way. Not me. I was too pragmatic. Too practical. I wouldn't say I was frugal, but I had no desire for shiny things or expensive toys or brand name fashion. I didn't love money or even care about it. Sure, like most Americans, I worried about it at times, but it was never anything that consumed me. I worked too hard and had too much integrity to throw money away on something like gambling. Our friends and colleagues knew me as the smart, responsible, down-to-earth country gal who followed all the rules and had a good, genuine heart. That was me. I've only occasionally bought lottery tickets or scratch-offs through the years. There was a period of about two months back around 2016 or 2017, I can't recall exactly, where I did buy a couple of $2 or $5 scratch-offs every two weeks when I got paid and did my grocery shopping. But after six or seven times of not winning anything, I thought to myself, this is stupid. What a waste of money. And so I stopped. When I was younger, in my late 20s, I did also go to the Detroit casinos with a particular friend who enjoyed gambling. She used to go all the time, as often as she could, because she really liked to gamble. I don't know where she is now, if she still gambles. In those days, I went with her a handful of times, maybe six or seven times at the most. Sometimes, because I didn't have the money or didn't want to spend the money, she would say to me, Come on, just come with me. I'll give you a hundred bucks to gamble with if you just come with me. She and her husband earned a good income and she had the extra money to spend. She liked to play the slots or maybe a little blackjack and she did prefer to gamble alone. So we'd walk in the doors and she'd hand me a hundred bucks and we'd go our separate ways. While she did her thing, I'd hang out at a quarter slot machine and mostly just people watch while I played with conservative spins and minimum bets. It was kind of fun to observe people as they hit big jackpots. Winning big was never something I intended or even hoped for when I went to the casino. Hanging out there was just a fun, exciting way to spend a few hours. When I used my own money, I spent maybe 50 bucks. Sure, sometimes I'd win a little, but it was never, ever anything that sparked any kind of compulsion to gamble more. There was one time back in the summer of 2017 when my husband had plans to meet up with a friend in Saginaw for the day. I'd made the drive with him so that I could spend a few hours shopping at stores that we just didn't have close to us, like TJ Maxx or Hobby Lobby. So I dropped him off with a full day ahead of me while they did their thing. Since I had so much time on my hands, I decided to go to an Indian reservation casino called the Soaring Eagle in Mount Pleasant, about a half hour drive from Saginaw. I'd been there several times over the years with friends or for various work events, but again, even though I'd played the slots on the gaming floor, the bug never bit me. I had a good time and it was entertaining, but it wasn't ever anything that felt the least bit addictive or compulsive. The only real reason I decided to drive over there that particular day was because I couldn't really fathom shopping for six or seven hours. I didn't have that much money to spend and there's only so much window shopping a gal can do. I thought it would be a fun way to kill off a couple of hours. So there I was, walking in the doors of the casino with several hours of free time ahead of me before I was due to pick my husband back up. I sat down at a quarter slot machine and put in a $20 bill. 
I played the minimum bet of only a quarter for roughly 10 minutes when all of a sudden I hit a big win. The machine went ballistic with the loud and obnoxious music, the cacophony of the chimes and the dings causing people to look over in my direction. I laughed and clapped, trying to figure out how much I'd won. I played slots so rarely that I couldn't even figure out what I'd hit. The guy sitting next to me shook his head and said, Wow, you just won $500 on a quarter? You weren't even there 10 minutes. Do you know what I did at that point? True story. I printed out the ticket from that win, went up to the cashier counter, cashed in my $500, and walked out. It didn't even occur to me to keep playing. In fact, on the ride back from Mount Pleasant, I thought how silly it was that I drove all that way just to hang out at the casino for 10 minutes. But hey, I made $500 off the ride. After that, I didn't think about it anymore. I didn't lament the fact that if I'd played the max bet, I would have won more. I didn't consider planning another visit or even replay the wind in my mind over and over. I just saw it as a financial gift that was a one-time thing. I took my new winnings and went shopping with it. That was the last time I'd set foot in a casino. So last spring, back in April of 2022, I'd been hanging out with my sister, and somehow we got on the topic of winning the lottery. I said something about how I only go into town once every two weeks to go grocery shopping because we lived about a half hour from the nearest big grocery store, and I hardly ever go anywhere else since I work remotely, and I'm basically a homebody. My bi-weekly grocery shopping trips never seem to coincide with the big jackpot and I wasn't about to make a special trip just to buy lottery tickets. Now, I have to interject and say that at this point, I honestly never really thought about the fact that gambling in any form is something Christians shouldn't do. I swear it just never occurred to me. Of course, now I can see that even buying a lottery ticket is a total waste of the blessings and provisions that God has given me. It's literally throwing money away. I'm better off handing that $20 to a struggling single mom or donating it to our local food pantry or something. It just, I'd never seen it from that angle before. So back in the spring, when my sister showed me that there was a Michigan lottery app that I could download on my phone to buy lottery tickets, my reaction was cool. And then I proceeded to go into the app store and download it. I had forgotten about that app until a few months later in late July. The Mega Millions jackpot for Friday, July 29th, had reached a billion dollars. When I saw a news alert about that record jackpot, I'd remembered the app on my phone. I rarely paid any attention to what the big lottery jackpots were. I never played a three- or four-digit daily lottery, and over the years, I only indulged in the big Mega Millions or Powerball tickets a handful of times at most. If it wasn't for the news alert on my phone, I wouldn't have even known about the record jackpot. It just goes to show you how many little butterfly effects take us down a certain path. Anyway, that Friday I bought $40 worth of tickets, which was the most I'd ever spent on lottery tickets before. I did it for two reasons. One, of course, was that the app made it super simple. Once I registered, I was able to use my debit card to buy the tickets. The second reason was much more emotional. You see, a few weeks prior to that, we'd lost one of our cats. I'd said before that our cats were like our babies. We don't have any kids, so my husband and I pour our love and affection onto our felines. One of our kitties was my favorite. She was only about two years old, a stray we'd adopted as a kitten. She was the smartest, sweetest, friendliest, most affectionate cat that ever lived. She was such a happy, gregarious thing, and she was my baby. She'd gotten hurt back in mid-June because we could see a large bump that appeared to be a contusion on her shoulder. We figured she'd been roughhousing and playing with the other cats and assumed it would heal on its own. We kept an eye on her, and sure enough, she appeared to be getting better. But a few days before the 4th of July weekend, she stopped eating and became lethargic. My husband and I agreed that we'd take her to the vet after the holiday if she didn't improve. But she ended up going downhill really fast, and we couldn't find an emergency vet within driving distance that was open. By the time we did manage to get a hold of one, she was too far gone. The vet wasn't sure what happened, but thought it was likely some kind of genetic illness, most likely a rapid-spreading cancer that just happened to flare up that weekend. Looking back, there were some subtle signs of her illness that in our busyness of spring, we just simply didn't notice. Her death hit me hard. I'd never lost a pet before, and this girl had been my beloved little baby. I felt grief in a way that I hadn't ever experienced in my life. 
my guilt and my sense of loss broke my heart in a way that I just wasn't prepared for. The weekend of the big lotto jackpot, I'd been feeling particularly down in the dumps. I suppose, if I'm being honest, my grief over the loss of my cat spurned a bit of a midlife crisis in me. Several of our friends and family were having milestones with their kids. Some were hosting graduation parties for their high school graduates. Others had grown kids who were getting married and having summer weddings. A few even had their first grandbabies. It seemed like everyone we knew was celebrating something having to do with their offspring. And there I was, feeling ridiculously mournful because I had no kids of my own and was gutted because I'd just lost a cat. I'd been feeling sorry for myself in a grand pity party, asking those deep philosophical emo questions like, is this all there is in life? And that week, instead of spending my evenings outside in the garden, or enjoying the beautiful summer weather, or even praying to find some kind of comfort, I'd taken to lying in bed and watching the sunset while mindlessly scrolling through social media. I was determined to make myself feel worse by looking enviously at everyone else's summer event photos. Yes, of course, it was dumb to feel that way. I had tons of blessings and a life I loved. I adored my husband, and to be honest, I wasn't really the mothering type. I'd never really felt the void of children before, but what can I say? I'm human. Grief had set in motion an unfortunate sin that Christians often commit comparing our lives to others. It almost always leads to envy and seeing lack versus abundance. Regardless, buying some lottery tickets provided a bit of a distraction as I dreamed about all I could do with that kind of wealth. For the record, there could not be a more anti-Christian sentiment. For years, I studied and read scripture and listened to sermons about how money truly is meaningless in this life. We come into the world with nothing and we leave the world with nothing. The kind of treasure that's stored up for us as a reward in heaven has nothing to do with riches or money or wealth, but rather it's based on good deeds and loving people and helping others and honoring God. You've heard the saying, money is the root of all evil. Well, that actually comes from the Bible. And it doesn't really say that money is the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. 1 Timothy 6.10 Those are two very different things. We all need money to live and survive in this modern day and age, but it's the eagerness for wealth, for material things, for an easy life of leisure that traps us and deceives us. Beware of one of the biggest lies that Satan tells us humans. Money will make you happy. Absolute falsehood. Rubbish. A heaping pile of horse pucky. There are a lot of people out there with money who are not happy. So, On that Saturday, when it seemed like everybody was talking about how someone had won the ginormous Mega Millions jackpot, I went and lay down in bed to check the app to see if I won anything. I'll never forget that very first moment that would forever change my life. The catalyst that would spark this whole spiral downward into what felt like the fastest addiction that ever took hold of someone. It was a beautiful evening, around 8 p.m. Only a month past the summer solstice, the sun was still fairly high in the sky. My hubby was out cutting the lawn in our riding lawnmower, and I was sprawled out on the bed with a slight headache and a heavy heart. When I logged into the app, I saw I'd won $10. I knew the odds were minuscule that I'd win anything at all, let alone the big jackpot. I'd spend $40 to win $10. Pretty lame, right? That's what I thought back then. Oh, how quickly life can change. I fumbled my way around the app until I got to the withdrawal page where I requested the withdrawal of that 10 bucks. Now, this is something I'm going to be talking about in other episodes, but these gambling apps are absolute dillweeds for some of their shady business practices. Because when I attempted to withdraw that $10, I got the error, sorry, this method is not available for withdrawal. What? How could that be? I'd use my bank debit MasterCard to deposit the $40, but at the time no idea what the policy is now, the Michigan Lottery app could not process withdrawals back to a MasterCard. They only withdrew to Visa cards. Isn't that insane? So they had no issue taking my deposit from my MasterCard debit card, but they couldn't withdraw back to it. Talk about scammy to the 10th degree. There I was, annoyed, irritated, without a whole lot of patience for what I immediately thought was a big manipulative scam to get you to forego your winnings. 
One of the options on the app offered for withdrawal of your winnings was to request a voucher that you could cash in at a Michigan lottery retailer. Problem was, I'd just been to the grocery store that morning and wouldn't go back for another two weeks. Then I saw the little button that read, play one of our online games. I saw that I could use that 10 bucks to play one of the many real money gambling games that they offered on the app. That, my friends, was the Rubicon, the point of no return. I shrugged, feeling like there was no point in stressing over $10, and I had nothing else to do. So I picked their top suggested game and played with a $1 bet. Within a few spins, I'd won $25. Again, I went back to the account screen and attempted to withdraw my winnings, and again I was met with the same error that I could not withdraw to my card. I even got up and grabbed my wallet to see if the other checking account debit card was a Visa. Nope, that too was a MasterCard. With every fiber of my being, I wish I could go back in time and make the decision to request a voucher that I could then take to the store to cash out even if that meant hanging on to it for a couple of weeks until I went to the store again. A hundred times since that moment, I'd had the desperate thought, if only, if only I could just go back in time, have a do-over, just turn the stupid clock back once, just once. If you're listening to this because you battled a gambling addiction, then you've thought that a million times as well. But that's one thing we can never do, go back in time. Once it's done, it's done. And so, that being said, I made the decision to keep playing that $25 win. I played for about an hour that evening, finally putting it away when my husband came inside after cutting the grass. I built my bank up to $62 before shutting the app down. What I remember the most about that evening, though, was the fact that for one solid hour, I was completely and totally distracted from any of the emotional stress and grief that I'd been feeling the previous three or four weeks. I didn't think about my poor dead kitty. I didn't think about the kids and the grandkids I'd never have. I didn't question my purpose for existing, wondering with melancholy what my future held. For one hour, I simply played without feeling anything at all, other than the thrill of a possible win. I innocently had some fun gambling a little money, and I'd want it back, plus some. But you see, that was the door that the devil cracked open and proceeded to sneak through. That very next evening on Sunday, I went back to that glorious feeling of numb distraction, lying down in bed and shutting everything off in my brain as I recaptured the false sense of peace I'd felt playing games on the app the night before. It took me about 40 minutes to play through that $62 bank, after which I deposited more money. Not much, I think it was maybe 25 or $30. And once I played through that, I deposited more. Over the next several days, I did the same thing each night. Around 8 p.m., I'd go and lie down in bed, the golden light of the sun streaming through my west-facing bedroom window, warm breezes blowing the curtains and creating a relaxing environment where I'd lose myself in various slot-type games. It was so easy just to click the spin button over and over, anticipating the rush of a win. I'd go up and then down, and then up again, playing for hours until it was time to go to bed. My hubby only casually questioned what I was doing, and my response to him was always the same. Just chilling, relaxing, playing around online, you know, decompressing. In those early days, that's truly what it felt like. Me time a way to disconnect from the stress of everyday life and the daily grind, an opportunity to numb any lingering grief and emptiness I felt from losing the pet that had been my favorite. It felt so deceptively innocent at first. I justified spending money on the app by telling myself that I didn't buy much for pleasure or indulgence. I didn't go out to restaurants or to sporting events or concerts. My husband and I didn't even go out on dates. We didn't have pricey cable subscriptions and didn't go to the movies, so in my mind it was perfectly okay. It was entertainment money that I hadn't spent over the years, and now I was using it to have a little fun. Of course, what an understatement and completely false justification that turned out to be. If I had known then that precisely six months later I'd win $8,000 and proceed to gamble every bit of it down to the last penny— you could have knocked me over with a feather. I'd be that shocked. No way. Not me. Never. Or so I believed. Again, I distinctly remember another turning point for me, yet another Rubicon, after which there was no turning back. 
Six days after I began playing, I hit the weekly deposit threshold on the app, which defaulted to $300. Strangely enough, I hadn't thought to myself, wow, I'd spent $300 on this stupid thing? Insanity. That's enough for me. I don't want to lose anymore. Nope. I didn't think that at all. Once I realized that I couldn't increase the weekly deposit until after a waiting period, I remember thinking to myself, well, I wonder if there are any other apps out there with slots that let you win real money. So I went into the app store and did a search for real money casinos. Ugh, stupid, 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 stupid. Once again, quoting Cher, if I could turn back time. Of course, I immediately found all the other apps like FanDuel and DraftKings and BetMGM and about a half dozen others that were legal in Michigan. The irony is that online gambling is only legal in certain states. Many states don't allow any form of it. I know this because twice since my first online bet with the Michigan Lottery app, I'd gone on a work trip. Each trip lasted an entire week, one in Houston and one in Denver. And both times I attempted to play or find casino gambling apps that were legal in those states. There were none, not a single one. As most of you already know, in the states where gambling is legal, they physically geolocate you to ensure you're actually in the state that allows online gambling. You would think that a week free of any gambling would have broken the cycle, but the pull was too strong. Once I touched down the airport, the first thing I did was log into the app and continue playing my bank. That was one of the many indicators that began niggling my brain, whispering to my conscience that this is becoming more than just an innocent hobby. Like any new gambling addict, I waved away those niggling voices and kept on playing. Looking back, it's amazing to think that one defining moment of deciding to play a $10 win would be the beginning of the biggest, most difficult battle of my entire life. It didn't take long for the addiction to take hold. My downcast spirit was obviously susceptible to the attack that Satan so skillfully and cunningly planned. There's so much more to tell and share about my journey these last six months, things that I hope will help you. No two addictions are exactly the same. No two paths or circumstances are exactly the same. But if anything at all I just shared so far resonated with you or felt similar to what you're going through, I urge you to continue listening on to the next episode. Going forward, I'm going to share stories of my hard times, my good times, tips and tricks that I've learned to overcome this addiction, as well as a very practical week-by-week plan that you can implement right now to begin your gambling-free recovery journey. Whether you've already stopped or you plan to stop gambling very soon, keep on listening. Or if your head is already overloaded and you need a bit of time to process all that I've said, stop the podcast and come back to it later. The most important thing of all is to make the decision that you're going to stop gambling for good. If you haven't stopped gambling and you're in a dark, lonely, hopeless place right now, I suggest making today the day that you commit to no more betting or gambling. The only thing you have to do at this moment is just commit. That's it. Just get through today. If you feel up to it, go on and listen to the next episode. It's officially chapter one, week one, that begins the first week of your recovery. Listening to that will formally mark the first day of the rest of your life. If you need one more day, then decide tomorrow that you'll come back and listen to the next episode. Don't let it go on any longer than that. You're listening to this for a reason, and I suspect that means you really, really want to stop gambling, even if the compulsion is still there. If you need a little encouragement to declare today is your first day bet-free, please go to my website, thefeelingbetter.com, and fill out the form to get in touch. Or you can email me directly. My email address is maria at thefeelingbetter.com. Don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or if I can be of any help at all or if you just need a nudge to commit to moving forward. Most of all, I can pray for you if you need prayer. I personally believe that prayer is powerful and one of the strongest weapons against the devil. I would love to pray for you. God bless you all. Stay safe and I'll see you again in the next episode when you're ready to begin. It's all over now When daylight comes Over the long night Open